0: Please note, this episode contains some strong language and references mental health issues. Please see the show notes for helpful links. Hi, I'm Lisa Kennedy, and you're listening to The Braw and the Brave. This podcast celebrates the creative and the courageous. I am fascinated by those who are talented, forward-thinking and inquisitive. Sharing their stories, wisdom and everything in between, The Bra and The Brave is about people and their passions. So on to today's episode. Can you see the recording you Yeah. Excellent. Well it's lovely to be back in the Bra Brave cave as it were. I mean I can't even believe that we're nearly on like 170 episodes and I'm still finding amazing people to talk to in a I want to welcome Sean Tierney, counsellor and outdoor therapist to The Bra and
1: The Brave. Thanks. Uh, thanks very much, Lisa. Thanks for having me.
0: It's a total joy. It's lovely to meet you, albeit virtually. Um, yeah. we're, we're, we're squeezing it in a, around nursery timetables and work timetables and all that jazz. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, I was just when you got in touch and we were just saying there before we started recording that you kindly reached out to me and, and, just made that connection and it's lovely when people do that, I really appreciate it and it's such a privilege that people want to, I'm totally flattered that people want to come on to the podcast and um, I'm just dead nosy, I want to know all about what you do why you do it and how you got started and and, uh, so what do you think it is about helping people that you like so much?
1: Hmm. So I think the short answer (laughs) is it's really validating it's really rewarding, it's really fulfilling it does something for well, i can only speak personally but it does something for you know your sense of purpose your sense of worth um so i think there's a lot tied up in it a lot um yeah a lot of sort of i for me it feels like a an extension of who i am as a person and i think that's taken time to get to that balanced place where it's like i'm able to put myself first when i feel it's necessary you know it's that kind of thing so i think i i think helping people has always been something i've Done or gravitated towards. I think maybe when I was younger, it was coming through a place of um, a different place. Maybe I was feel, wanted to feel needed, you know, on some level. And as I've matured and worked on my own stuff, I think I've come to the, a place of understanding that for me, it, it feels a really important thing to be doing my bit without sitting too grand about it, but just like making a difference where I can. And, um, yeah, I think that's. It that feels really important. I can't imagine doing jobs that weren't helping people. I have done jobs that maybe I felt like I couldn't see the bit where I was helping people. Mm-hmm. Like I worked in finance at one point, and I really didn't like it because it just felt. It just felt difficult for me. Um, but most of the other jobs I've had, be it support work or um, even when I have worked in hospitality, the thing I've enjoyed is the connecting with people and the helping people and the sort of, um, I that connection thing. So I think. That's a short, long answer, <laughs> or a long, no, short answer.
0: <laughs> absolutely, and you know, you said something there that kind of struck a chord, and that was um, about looking after your own well-being. I don't mm-hmm. think that's how you put it, but that's how I took it. Like that, you almost um, you—you've obviously recognised in your training, of course, as a counsellor and as a therapist now, but that you have to be. The best version of yourself in order to help other people mm. um, and I guess that's like a journey that you've been on like you say and having had lots of different roles and jobs and experiences yeah. in your life you then get to, to understand yourself better right. um, in order to then help other people so what led you to do this specific job and train to become a counsellor?
1: So I guess for me I have had like, full disclosure, I've had an obscene amount of jobs. Like, I've just uh, started uni courses, started college courses, different job every six months. That pattern continued for the age 18 till I was th- almost 33. So that was the pattern. It was like, I just... And I wasn't necessarily unhappy the whole time, but there was always a sense that there was something missing, you know? I just didn't really get... I didn't feel like I was getting what I wanted out of life, I suppose, and I felt unfulfilled. And at times that unfulfillment led to feeling quite depressed and um, having quite difficult periods. But generally it was this feeling like I want to be doing something that I enjoy and is worthwhile. So I feel like I was always seeking. I was a seeker. I was always looking constantly like, oh, and really enthusiastic about stuff. Like, like I say, I was working in finance. I was like, oh, I love this. This is amazing. I'm going to be a financial advisor. And then a few months later I was like, this is terrible. And then it was like, I'm going to go to college and do photography. And then a few months later I was like, I like it as a hobby, but I don't want to do it as a job. And it was just that kind of cycle. So for me, what led me here was a lot of false starts, a lot of mistakes, um, a lot of self-doubt. But the thing I always went back to was when I felt, or when I have felt bad about my life or my circumstances or myself, I've gravitated to going outside. I've always been like, oh, go outside, That I feel better. And when I feel in a good place, I want to be outside. So there was that wee nugget in there. So that combined with... I suppose looking for a, a change in career. At the point when I started training, I was working for a charity doing a, a sort of admin finance role, and it, I just, I it wasn't for me. And I was on my holidays visiting my brother in France, and my work kept phoning me on the holiday, and I was like, oh. while I was on that holiday, I applied for a counselling course on on a fo- on my phone.
0: Okay. And it was a
1: night course, and then I didn't get in. But then when I went back to Scotland, came home, my first day back at work, I got like kind of hauled into the office because I hadn't done some stuff or like a like a handover thing before the holidays and I got kind of got shouted at in front of people as well and I was just like, oh this isn't a very nice environment I don't want to be here mm. and I remember I texted my wife and just said oh so-and-so has been difficult and my wife was like just quit come on just quit get up the road and I was like okay oh, just like, come on just quit and she was like really almost like egging me on and then so I went home so I can't remember the exact timeline, but I'd applied for a full-time counselling course because I never got into the part-time evening one. Mm-hmm. And there was no places. But then, so I, I walked out of work on the Monday and then on the Monday afternoon, the college phoned me and said, if you can get to an interview on Wednesday or Tuesday, even Tuesday the next day. So I went to the interview and I got, uh, got in on the spot and then I started college the following Monday. And that was like... Wow. like a, a, when I tell that story, I feel like it feels like a dream or something. Because I was like... It felt like something a film, like it was just all these things yeah. lined up and it yeah. feels like I've never looked back. Like I've just and as soon as I started doing it, and not to be exaggerated, as soon as I started doing my counseling course, I was like straight away, I was like, nah, this is I, I, I get it. This is the thing that ticks all those boxes for me. Helping people, have an autonomy, being creative, empowering people. Uh eh, something I'm passionate about. That
0: is amazing. That yeah. is like the scene from a film. Yeah. But and, and like you what you were saying earlier on, and you know, it's your story and it's your Experience, so you're allowed to look back at it and have whatever feelings you like about it. But I Mm. think, like, listening to you telling me about all the jobs you had, and that sometimes it it was good and sometimes it wasn't so good, like, Mm. I think that's okay.
1: Yeah,
0: I think that we should be telling young people and anybody actually that that's all right, too. Okay, it was difficult, Mm -hmm. and it's not to take away from the difficult aspects of it at the time. But now, in in retrospect, I, I guess you'll be looking back, going, "Well, I learned something from all those experiences. I definitely learned what I didn't want." But yeah. I think we're just maybe sold the story. And obviously, I'm not a people in school now, but I still hear young people because I work with young people mm-hmm. talking about like having to find the thing yeah. and like and then and like find it now. And you're like, okay. what? like if, no, you've not been out in the world really yet. Like, aye, aye. You need to just try stuff, and sometimes it lands right away, and sometimes mm-hmm. it doesn't. Yeah. But there's a, like it's a learning experience, I guess, and you'll have learned so much from all mm-hmm. the jobs that you did prior to what you do now.
1: I, I feel like a great sense of gratitude for all the nonsense I've done, <laughs> basically. <laughs> I'm just like, actually, do you know what? Um, and, and actually, you know, part of the counselling training is you do a lot of self-inquiry and like, you look at your own stuff and kind of, you know, kind of like an existential like, who am I type thing. Okay. And a lot of that was I was carrying a lot of shame about the fact I'd had thirty odd jobs. I used to feel so embarrassed about that, like I and now I'm almost sometimes I feel quite grateful for it. Other times I'm quite neutral, but I'm like, mm-hmm. well, that's what I did, um, yeah. but I did not feel any like negative sort of shame or and I, for so long I did, and it was you know it was nobody's fault that I felt like that, but it was like environmental, it was like societal, it was like family, you know, it was all these different things telling me that somehow. Because I hadn't went to school, went to uni, picked what I like today, got the job. I'd somehow failed, and I felt that, and I'd really internalised that, and I carried that feeling around me for a long time. Um, it's nice to shake that off and just
0: go. Oh, oh, I, I don't
1: need that now. That's. I, like, no, I think that's one of the. I, I've thought about this before. Like, see if tomorrow, like I was told oh, you can't be a counsellor anymore, I'd be gutted. Like I would, but I'd be like, I feel like the work i have done during my training and and that, the work on myself. I'm like, that's the thing that really is the the most important bit for me. It's like I am. Well, basically, I'm happy and content now. <laughs> basically, to put it simply, it's pretty good.
0: I mean, is that not what everybody just wants? Yeah. I right. had this I had this conversation with somebody on the podcast last week mm-hmm. and they were talking about like just like the common goal. Like we all just really want to be happy.
1: Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. if we
0: just all admit that, that would be lovely. <laughs> Do you know what uh... I mean? Like having to seek all these other things like that we think are gonna make us happy. But mm-hmm. yeah, it's just that contentment in what you're doing. And I guess because your work, your doing it for a large majority of the week of the month yeah. of the year of your life okay. so if you can find a thing that makes your soul sing and like you were saying earlier all, all the, the boxes it ticks in terms of like helping other people and getting outside and mm-hmm. making a difference and all those things like if you can be ticking as many of those boxes like you've nailed it you've won a watch
1: yeah totally i feel like that i do feel like that like i was out at seven o'clock this morning and my shorts, you know, because I wear shorts for probably like 11 months of the year. And, <laughs> um, and I couldn't, have, like the truth is, I couldn't be bothered this morning. That's the truth. But once I got there, I was I was all good, set to go. Um, I, like me and my wife had a tough night with my son's teeth in and it was just, and he's not been feeling well and he was just, it was just hard going last night, you know. Mm. Like, and this morning was a bit of a, a wee bit of struggle getting out of bed. and But as soon as I get there, I'm like, I remember why I'm doing it. And it's like, I've never had that a job before. I would have just phoned in sick if I was tired before or, or you know, or just turned up to work and no done anything. But I was yeah. like, I feel like there's a a real sense of purpose when I'm doing it. Like I'm like, I know I know this is important, what I'm doing. Yeah, so it's like a great driver and a great um, motivator. Um, mm, so I, of course. Yeah. And I
0: think that's really important what you said there, like about you couldn't be bothered, but you went and done it and then you were fine when you got there. Yeah. Because I, I think anybody who... Is seeking a counsellor for whatever reason would like somebody if they really thought about it they would like somebody who's like an actual human. Mm-hmm. Surely you would want to talk to somebody and open up to somebody who's just like yeah I get it Aye. like because I feel like that too sometimes. But here's yeah. how you, here's the tools that I can give you to support you and you know and yeah. the, the bigger more difficult stuff I guess.
1: Yeah no I think that's that kind of underpins my practice I think the um, yeah the fact is I've not got all my shit together all the time and I'm quite open about that. And it's, you know, when I'm meeting with a client, it's not about me, but I I think it's important. Like, I think I'm always quite transparent about that, like whether it be on my website or social media and stuff. I'm not, I don't shy away from that stuff because I'm like, for some people, getting a counsellor or seeking counselling probably doesn't feel like a big deal. And for some people, it probably really, really does. And I think part of the problem, objectively speaking, is that a lot of time counsellors or people in clinical roles seem different to you or well, they're not like me. They've got all these certificates on the wall, or they've got this amount of training, and they charge 40 or 50 quid an hour. They're, they're, you know, it feels like a different thing, but I think if, um, I think that's why I'm so honest about it, I think it's really important. And I still go for therapy every so often if I feel like the need, because again, I'm a human and stuff mm-hmm. happens. And sometimes I feel like that's the best course of action is to talk to somebody neutral and I dip in and out of that stuff when I need to. And I'm open about that as well. Yeah,
0: I think that's really, really important. And what, Kind of grasp me when you got in touch was the outdoor aspect, and like you're saying, you've always enjoyed the outdoors. Yeah. But when you were studying to be a counsellor, was that always in your head that mm. that's what, how you
1: were going to do things? You were going to take it outdoors? Uh, I, I mean, yeah, I was pretty certain I didn't know how that would work because it's not really a thing that there's a lot of, it's not a very common thing. It's become more common, but certainly when I was starting my training in 2016, I had a couple of lecturers who were very receptive to the idea, but were quite practical. Like, oh, how would you do that? And then the following year, the continuation of my training, I had a lecturer who basically just poo-pooed the idea completely. They were just like, "Oh, you can't do that." Like, and what they were saying was true about like the concerns you might have about privacy and all that. But I was just like, I, I felt comfortable and confident that eventually I'd find a way to do it. So I kind of just knew I was like, I, "I'll, I'll make it work." And if it doesn't work, I'll hold my hands up and be like, "I'm not going to do anything dodgy or like unethical or." Yes. play fast and loose with folks feelings do you know what i mean so i'm like yes. um so i think i always kind of knew i would do it i just i never knew the how to join the dots i just believe i had this i almost like a picture in my head of how it would look and it, mm. the first time i ever done an outdoor therapy session i remember coming home and it was like almost greeting because i was just like it looked how i imagined it. it felt how i imagined that I, I was like yeah I, I was so familiar even though i'd never done it before mm. Even down in the weather that day, I remember the weather like being like how I d- imagined it. it was like it was warm, it was windy. I just I don't know. I just remember it and being like, oh, this is funny. This is how I m- imagined it in my like sort of daydreams and stuff. Yeah, but I the outdoor element was always felt like it was a really important part of how I would do this, and I can't imagine not doing it this way. Like, and then obviously there's some people it doesn't work for some people. Some people are like, I'd rather be inside, thanks very much, and that's. Um, I mean that's it. So but I think ah, I love it. Like I think it's really it offers something different. Um and I think it goes back to that thing about following your nose, following your passions a And I knew I've always gravitated towards outdoors, whether that's been I when I've been in periods of like depression, I'd always go and sit in the park and stuff or, or if I've like been really happy I just want to be outside and you know, so I think I yeah. just thought I'll just I'll I'll just put it on my website. I'll just I'll just be like, I'm a qualified therapist. Here's all this stuff. Also, outdoor therapy is available. I was like, see what happens, eh? Yeah, and yeah. pretty quickly, it happened. Yeah. <laughs> so, and then, um, yeah, so it just felt like it was a natural progression, like to just go with it. And at the moment, I'd probably say, um, I still do occasionally, like Zoom clients and stuff and phone clients occasionally, um, but it's probably like 80, 80% outdoors. So, aye, I, I mean, the, my, my, my step counts through the roof. Yes! <laughs> it's, like, it's quite mad, actually, when I look at it.
0: You must be boasting like that. Ah, you, oh, it's steps mad something.
1: <laughs> like, there's been days where I've had, like, maybe four clients in one day. Right. And, obviously, every client's got different capacity and needs around. Mm-hmm. Some of clients are quite happy to have a wee seat. Some yes. clients want to walk really fast. <laughs> so, <laughs> I remember it was, I don't know, three or four weeks ago, and I'd, Uh, when I got home I looked I was like I think on that one day I'd walked on like 16 and a half miles gosh I know I was just like that's that's amazing that's a lot
0: I don't know much about mindfulness I have practiced a bit of mindfulness Mm -hmm. I've done it in schools Um, I've got a friend who teaches mindfulness so I learned it from there Um, you see the adverts in the the telly especially for the you know the COVID stuff like about Mm -hmm. getting outside and it's good for your mental health and all that and it's like connecting Mm -hmm. to the world around you and like feeling and the things and smelling the things and so you're like it totally makes sense Mm -hmm. and from like a point of view like when you were saying earlier on about certificates on the wall I guess for some people that's the scariest bit walking in to the room and and they've seen like a counselling set up on the telly and it looks really like you know there's nothing else on the walls apart from the certificates and maybe like a clock ticking (laughs) that probably seems like quite daunting I I even from like I'm thinking about if I go and walk around Strathley Park with a Mm palm You're walk. See when you're walking and you're talking and you're not necessarily eyeballing somebody. Sometimes you do find that you open up more, just because yeah. you are moving mm-hmm. and you're not having to sit in the one space and stare at somebody. And uh, yeah, there there must be so many benefits. Uh-huh. Like you're saying, it might not work for some people, but I just think being outside and just moving your body is like yeah. a great start. And then the talking, I guess, comes.
1: I absolutely. I think um, throughout sort of the sort of the last year and a half like some people have um maybe wanted a therapist and then realized they didn't want to do it on zoom because when they get privacy and then they've seen my website or whatever and they've been like outdoors how'd I do that and like but then just being like oh well just try it if that's the only option because I, I think when I first started I was I'd made a lot of assumptions about maybe who would want outdoor therapy because I was based on what I want um So it's like not everyone who engages with therapy outdoors loves outdoors. It might simply be that they kind of get privacy in the house and that's the only practical way to do it. So I'm very mindful of that um, as times went on, that that's my stuff, you know. But then the flip side of that is some clients will come and they'll be like, talk about this tree every week that they notice or they'll be like, oh, do you hear that bird song? Or they'll, you know, so I think it's a really generous space because there's loads of it. (laughs) So I think it's like really nice and... And I think there is something about that idea about the certificates on the wall and like that sort of hierarchy. And I think when you're outside, it's an uncontrolled environment. And part of my job is obviously to make that safe and, and, and like work with the client in a way that feels safe for them. Um, but I can't control the weather. I can't control somebody's dog running up to us. Or, do you know what I mean? So, yeah. But there's something actually about the fact that it's an un- uncontrolled environment and there isn't any hierarchy really that feels like a great equaliser. And I think for me, that feels like one of the big benefits is like the connection you get with clients feels like more, uh, it's not that it's a deeper connection, but it feels like it's a quicker connection. That's my experience. It feels like, because we're both experiencing the same crap weather or or we're both, uh, you know, noticing something. So
0: Yeah, you're not having to invite somebody into your space, which yeah, feels absolutely. very familiar for you, but mm-hmm. unfamiliar for them. Yeah. yeah, it makes total sense. But I like it, like you were saying earlier on, like that lecturer, who poo the idea? <clears throat> I guess you would have had your reservations as well, like like you were saying, How mm. am I going to figure this out? What would I do in the scenario that this mm. X, Y, and Z happened? But yeah, like I guess like potentially other situations could happen in a more controlled environment that you didn't oh, yeah. expect either. Do you know what I mean? Like if you had a space in a office block mm-hmm. somewhere, there could still be people. Coming at your door, or do you know what I mean, or, or yeah, the phone could go, or do you know what I mean? There's, there's Aye. other things that could happen. Like it's not foolproof, I guess. But um, yeah, I just was really inspired to talk to you when you'd reached out just for that outdoor element because I've never heard of anybody doing that before.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think as far as I know, there's maybe three or four people in the sort of Glasgow area now, and I as I know, I was the first, and it's not like. That's not a brag, it's just like, I think... Fuck, oh, uh, brag away. Um, <laughs> but I think it was just that, that idea, like, I'll just... Like, I take it seriously, like, I really do, but there is a part of me as well that I'm I'm aware of how I got to this point where I was just like, do you know what, I'll just do it, and if it doesn't feel right, I'll just hold my hands up. Like, it'll be fine. I've got the faith that it'll be fine, and it was, and it is. And then, obviously, as time's went on, my skills and my my ways of handling the uncontrolled environment or the, the weather, I've, they're much more refined and I'm really like I mean i d I've done workshops about it now.
0: So what inspired you to then put on these workshops for other people that are holding space for people?
1: So I so I'd been doing working outdoors with clients for about a year. Um and obviously you know this was during it was pre and in the start of COVID. So it was like a bit stop starting and that so Mm. um but I the amount of times I'll get messages on Instagram and Even on my website, folks are just going, what's outdoor therapy? And half the time, it was for other therapists. So I remember I just said to my wife one day, I was like, I'm going to make a workshop. And she's like, "Eh, how? Not quite how will you do that, but like, I kind (laughs) of like, but Ashley's got a lot of faith in me as well, which is really like, it's nice. Like there's a sort of, we build each other up kind of thing. But um, it was just like, how am I going to do that? And then I was like, do you know what? I'll just... I'll just start writing stuff. I'll go on Canva and I'll just start making some slides, and I'll just sort of see what um, comes it. up. And I just kind of feel like I cobbled it together a wee bit the first time. And but the first time I did it, it was an online workshop. There was six participants, um, and the feedback I got was great. Like I was just like, and it was really gratifying, really rewarding, and really like again, similarly when I started doing my counseling time, I was like, oh, right, this is what I'm doing now. I get it. Like this feels like that. This is so obvious that I should be doing this sort of stuff. Um, And then since then, so that was December 2020. Yeah, so since then I've done six online workshops, or six, Mm -hmm. it's the same workshop six times, and I've done it in person once, which was just two weeks ago. I've done my first in person. That was that? That was absolutely amazing. Like I was, um, afterwards I was, I think I was in shock, but like, you know, like when it's like adrenaline. And again, it felt like, oh, I've finally done the thing that I've been wanting to do. So in the last, whatever that is, nine months, through the online workshops and the uh, in person, it's been about 40, 45 people have been through the workshops. So I'm just yeah. like, it's just really, I, I, it's just really satisfying and really like rewarding. And it's like, um, I used to do that thing where, oh, I'm just winging it, I'm just winging it. I'm like, I'm not winging it. Like, I know what I'm doing. I do know what I'm doing. I think I was just playing it down. I was like, I've got, uh, you know, I've, I've got loads of experience now. And it's like, of in this country, we sometimes shy away from patting ourselves on the back and, that, and I'm like but I know I'm good at it I know I'm passionate about it I know i I know how to like engage with people and sort of help them get to the point where they're ready to do it
0: I, I did it with the, with the podcast workshops like I saw an advert in lockdown uh-huh. about submissions for workshops and they could be about anything and I was like do you know like I'm gonna just write a work- like you did like I'm just gonna write a workshop plan mm-hmm. for how to you start your own podcast yeah now I'm not an expert in podcasting yeah, I mean it's not my job, it's a hobby, but I thought, you know, you've been doing this for over two years. You
1: yeah. you
0: do know stuff. Like right. Do you know what I mean? And it's just that like giving other people permission to get started as well. Like see the fact that I was just like to folk, have you got a laptop? Yes. Mm-hmm. Have you got Zoom? Yes. Well, you can start a podcast. Like yeah. just just give it a go. And uh. it was almost like just giving them the permission, like just and, and answering the, the questions that they had just to go, mm-hmm. Do you know what? I, you know, you've got to start somewhere like like you're saying. Yeah. But it's, it's,
1: a, it's in the doing of it that you realise, like, oh, actually, I, I don't know. Yeah, no, totally. I think, <laughs> um, yeah, one of the big things I took for it was the, so the first time I did it, like I say, I was happy with how it went, but I was like, there's definitely room for improvement. And, um, but ever since I've done it, before the workshop, I always ask the participants, right now, what are the barriers to you taking your practice outdoors? don't tell me, answer them, and we can talk about them. And at the end of the workshop, we reflect on that. And most people's barrier was confidence. And the confidence maybe comes through, like figuring out, all right, how do I do this one practical bit? But a lot of it is just like the permission, like somebody saying, of course you can do it. I've done it. Do you know what I mean? Like, I'm no different to you. I'm no more special than you. I just, I've done it. Um, and I think that's, that's the, the, it's really rewarding that as well. Like when I see folks sort of going, or I get messages every so often, folks going, oh, that's me. I had my first outdoor therapy client in the day. Oh, you know, a few cool. months like, after the workshop or something, I'm just like it's really nice.
0: Yeah, because I think sometimes people see things like that as like a ladder that they're at the bottom of the ladder and you're at the top, and you're like, no, no, no like I'm literally just yeah. like a couple. I'm literally just like a couple of rungs up for you. You just right. need to like step on the ladder and mm-hmm. like follow me. <laughs> I mean, yeah, no, like,
1: absolutely.
0: It's not that big a leap, but yeah. it can just seem like that. See, in terms of you're out, like so when I hear the words out, <coughs> me. outdoors, I think I just um automatically go to a green space hmm. do you seek that out or in terms of outdoors could it be like in a built-up area in a housing scheme
1: so i work in two different parks typically but <clears throat> occasionally i've worked up at the wind farm you know the wind farm up at whiteley it's okay like, yes right occasionally i've worked up there because a client just one time asked me can we go up to the wind farm and i was familiar with it because i used to go up there with a guy that i support work with we used to go up there for a walk so i was like well i know the place i'll just get a try um but it's mostly mostly sort of like pollock park and lynn park mostly yeah. but the important thing i suppose is um if it looks pretty great do you know what i mean but that's actually not that important it's more about is it is it safe is it contained is it boundaried in some way what what sort of interruptions will there be so i have done it before where i've like maybe maybe went to like say lynn park or pollock park or something there's been like stuff on in the park or the timing's been a bit thingy so there's been a bit of There's been a bit of like maybe walking along the road for a while. Not on the road, obviously. (laughs) Um, But I just that kind of thing. So, but I think what I tend to tell people when they make inquiries is these are the places I normally work. If there's somewhere that you really would like to work, I'll check it out, basically. And if it feels like it, it feels okay from my perspective, we can. And if it feels like it's no, I'll tell you why. And I'll be transparent about it. And if they're really adamant they want to work somewhere, it's like, well, that's never happened. So, but generally people, I think, there's maybe an expectation that is like a nice green space. Um, I think that's maybe what people think when they imagine it.
0: Yeah, that's just what I did. But I was like, yeah. well, I wonder if I'm just deciding that and it, it could be, no, I understand it... what you're saying. Like, I guess an open space, like there's less likelihood of you meeting loads and loads of
1: people, Hi.
0: you know, and loads of dogs, yeah. like you said. <laughs>
1: I, yeah, and those are the things that um, those are the things that actually come up in the workshop. Well, folks like, right. what happens if you bump into your neighbour? Or mm. the post day or something. It's like, well, that's stuff that you, t- you talk through the client and explain. These are the things that are perceived risks or interruptions. And they have a, well, I normally have a conversation with the client and say, like, what do you want to do if? Like, oh, that's
0: nice. Yeah. Like,
1: so I'm not telling you what we're doing. I'm not saying, because they might be like, no bothered if they bump into their neighbor and they might happily, go, oh, it's Sean, he's my therapist or whatever. Do you know what I mean? I shouldn't assume. So I always give, I always in the first session or before I meet them, have a conversation about that stuff. Again, it's just this whole idea of being transparent and saying mm. these are things. And I say that to clients. I say sometimes I might get it wrong. And if I do, tell me. Right, it's fine. Like, I'm not I'm not a mind reader kind of thing. So
0: Yes.
1: Um, and I think that feels like quite a useful thing within the work.
0: Absolutely. And the idea of having a therapist going to therapy or counseling um, being a taboo how how is that these days? Like do you think it's more accepted more acceptable? Hmm. Or do you think we've still got a long way to
1: go? I think both are probably true. I think where it is seen broadly as more acceptable, more normal. Um, but I think there is like a lot of generational I wouldn't call it generational trauma, but there's like a lot of like you know, if we grow up in an environment and we hear people saying having opinions about stuff like that, we might not believe them, but we've heard them enough that they're still in there. So I think in a society as well, like there's a lot of great campaigns around mental health and awareness and stuff like that. But also, there's so much still to be done. Like it's like they can chuck money at things, and but I think a lot of people who would benefit from access, and whether it's through the NHS, through the GP, or privately support, like do fall through the cracks because that's the way the system's set up, and it's it's a it's it's bad. Like <laughs> it's 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 no very good. Um, yeah, so I think there is a there is still a lot of taboo, and even even when people do maybe get in touch, a lot of people are like, "Oh, I wish I'd done this years ago, but I didn't want to because X, Y, and Z." Um, but in my experience of doing this for a couple of years, I would say, and I think the pandemic, like make it what you will, but I think for a lot of people, it has changed things for them personally, where they're like, and the, the conversations about how you're feeling have mm-hmm. become more out in the open. Yeah. And I think people have been holding their hands up more and going, do you know what, I'm feeling shite. Like, I'm struggling and I don't know what to do. And I think that's okay and that's good. So uh, it's kind of both where it is still taboo, but I think there is still there are still good things happening. But I always feel like there's more to be done, but I don't have the answer to what that is. But I think it's like, because I have to be realistic as well. Like, I'm, I know therapy is expensive. Like, I'm not going to sit here and be like, oh, anyone can come for therapy. It's like, no, everybody can afford it. That's the truth. But then that, leads to bigger questions about well if, if it's an important thing that we should have why is it not accessible to everyone do you know what i mean so Certainly. um i do i have a free client like so i have an ongoing free client and it's like an indefinite period time period so one and once they're finished we have an agreement like you know i'll say to them i can't tell you how many sessions i'll offer them but we'll agree to end together yeah so that's kind of my wee bit i'm doing i suppose to help with that stuff. and i started that just after lockdown like kicked off, I just was like, I feel like I, there'll be a lot of folk maybe wanting to access this stuff and can't afford that. And, you know, I was not, I'm wasn't. i not rolling in cash, but I was just like, you know, it feels like, again, going back to the idea of doing something worthwhile and good and doing your bit. It feels, sometimes it feels like it's enough for me to do that and sometimes it doesn't feel like that's enough. I don't feel like I'm doing enough. But again, that's my stuff. I'm not very aware of.
0: Well, you think if every therapist or every other therapist did the same? Mm, yeah, yeah be so many people more supported, do you know what I mean? So like it's you know, you are making a difference to that person. Do you know what yeah, I mean? and yeah, the fact yeah. that you're doing it and you're breaking down that barrier of cost, like it's so important. And yeah. and it's and you just saying that on this podcast like that will maybe inspire somebody else to do something
1: similar. Because I think if you're on the receiving end of something like that, you, you are more likely to go, that that was a really cool thing. And you tell I'm, everybody you're so like chuffed and like totally um I. Because no, I, I, yeah. I think we
0: just live in a society sometimes where we're all like blinkers on and right. we're doing our thing and we're just working on ourselves. Yeah. Which is not a bad thing. Like, you should be working on yourself and you should be like looking after your own and all the rest of it. But sometimes you just have to like look around you and go, what can I do? What small thing can I do? I mean, yeah. we're, I mean I've mean, i been talking about climate change a lot because I'm working in schools doing a project in climate change and it's like that attitude like, oh, I can't help MD. Oh, I can't, yeah. do, I can't fix the planet. You're like, no, no, you could do like one small thing. Yep. just
1: have a wheel look and see what's possible. It, it's interesting that thing about climate change because I think the attitudes towards something like that are like very. Um, there is like there's there's great hope, great promise, great like potential, but there's also great apathy. Where folk are like, "Well, what difference is it going to make if I recycle my rolls? Do you know what I mean? It's like, well, it does make a difference because individually it's going to make a really a tiny dent, but collectively totally. it's going to make a huge difference. So it's like, I think sometimes people forget that. Because by doing that, you have to have faith in in others that they'll yes. do their bit. And then for some people, that can feel quite a hard leap because you're like, well, so and so's not going to do it. So why should I do it?
0: Yeah, you're right. You're totally right. And it's that idea of, well, I spoke about this the other day there was somebody, that idea of like doing stuff like that you won't necessarily see the instant gratification from it. And I guess that for going back to the idea of therapy, <clears throat> there must be that as well. Like after one session, if somebody isn't like, you know, I'm fixed. Then the yeah. movie, you're like, that's not how it works. <laughs> like yeah, you no, have totally. to, and also I am. Um, I've not got a magic wands, by the way. Yeah. They bring to the park with me. Like right. you have to do the work as well. Like mm-hmm. you're coming, and like it's great that you're turning up for yourself. But then there's more work to do. I guess. Absolutely,
1: I think, and I think you know those sort of eureka moments or big breakthroughs that clients have in the movies. <laughs> it's like, it does happen, but it's not like that's not the normal, like the normal typical experience. It's like um, it's a lot more subtle for most people. And I know in my experiences of being a client, it's like it's not like I never had a big Eureka moment, but maybe with the passage of time, I was starting to look at someone or something differently and be like, oh, okay. That was because of that conversation I had. So it's like will, the, some people will go to those big moments, but it's not necessarily the norm or the trend mm. because you see a client for, say, an hour, a, a week, or however often you see them. But the rest of the time, they're, they're on their end, They're doing their thing, so it's like, yeah, there's so many variables. Um, again, I think that's sometimes to do with the way it's portrayed on telly and the media and stuff. It's just like people are like lying back on the couch and then going, "Oh, it's all my dad's fault," and then I'm fixed or whatever. <laughs> and it's like you know, I think it's a, a lot of the time. It's a lot of practical stuff as well with therapy, like just um, being mindful of how you're talking to yourself or like you know, like things that people don't necessarily question, and by having a space where you're invited to question them. In, mm. in a safe way like I think folk are like oh I hadn't even thought of that you know so I think that's a big part of that
0: yeah because I guess people um who maybe would benefit from therapy I mean I guess everybody would benefit from therapy you know just having time to to open up and
1: yeah
0: put their lives and themselves and their feelings but I guess for some people they may go oh you know, it needs to be this big monumental thing. Like, I need to have like loads of trauma or I need mm-hmm. to have a diagnosis or something mm-hmm. in order to go for therapy. What yeah. would you say to somebody if they said that? Oh, like, you know, therapy's not for me, but I feel like I need help.
1: That's probably what happens for a lot of people. Like, and that's probably the reason a lot of people won't. So, I think there's a couple of things there. Again, going back to like societal norms, it's like still seen as taboo, it's still seen as like a luxury. But I think. For people who might think therapy would benefit them or they need some support, but they think someday someone's got worse than me, that kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's always true. And it's it's all relative. It's like, I'm sure there's some folk who have got much worse than you or I. What might seem like a problem in my life might not be the same as what would be a problem in your life, for example. I don't know. To immediately start discounting therapy as no song you need or want, based on a comparison, I think you're just... You're kind of missing the point a wee bit because it's like part of the problem is probably that comparison stuff, anyway. And I've had folk before who've, like family members who've asked me about it and stuff. Obviously, I wouldn't work with them as clients, but they've asked me how it works. And, and I've said that. So just think about what it would be like to have a space each week. And what you do with that space is up to you. So you can come and talk about your deepest, darkest fears, or you can come and just be listened to for an hour. And that in itself is maybe something we didn't necessarily do. Because um, it can just be like a therapists are sounding board, they can just listen to your rant if that's what you need. Or you can sit in silence if that's what you need. It's just a space that's yours. And I think when it's put to people like that, I think it maybe starts to make more sense that it's a space or it's time. And for a lot of people maybe looking at that, they maybe understand that that's not necessarily something that they get yeah. as a dedicated space for them. Because they're working hard, they've got kids, they've got mortgages, and blah blah blah. You know all that stuff. So, yeah. and then it becomes feel. Then it feels less like a luxury and more like just kind of like, oh, that would be a good idea. Actually, that makes sense to like just have a bit of me time or whatever you want to call it.
0: And I think probably after the pandemic, you know, when people are then going out back into their lives and it's like go 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 all of a sudden, and mm-hmm. I think. There'll be more people needing that space that they just didn't realize because it's like, oh, great, everything's open now. I can go and yeah. live my life. And you're like, well, actually, right. we just we just lived through a pandemic and it was quite scary and lots yeah. of bad things happened for a lots of people and people lost jobs and people lost yeah. people yeah. and people were stuck in the house maybe with in situations that they want to be in and all that all that stuff. Yeah, totally. Um, and it's great that things are open and things are happening. But also there's a lot of fear and anxiety just around being in person again with people and all that jazz. Mm-hmm. So I guess there'll be, I would imagine there'll be a need more of a need than ever for people just to have those spaces where they can talk openly about how they feel.
1: Yeah, no, I think, I think there's, there's definitely, I mean, again, everyone's probably the experiences of the pandemic have been different, but it, Again, widely, like we've 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 all lived through similar stuff over the last year and a half or whatever. And it's I don't I reflect on that quite. because I'm like I, I found the pandemic not that bad, and then I feel bad for saying that. So that's all right. But I'm looking at a very through a very narrow lens of what my experience has been hmm. when when the pandemic started. Me and Ashley had a four and a half month old baby. No, they just turned five months old. So that's time we wouldn't have had in that way, like yes. all the us together in the house. So that's how, I'll probably remember that. And I've reflected on what I would have been like if I was, if my circumstances were different. Like, say I was single and had a job I hated, which was often the trend before I found this. I would not have done well. Like I know that I would have been mm-hmm. in absolute shambles, and then probably really hard on myself for not doing well, and then I'd, I'd probably get into a, a bad cycle, like that I historically would. But obviously, it would be like, mm-hmm. I, th- I, I think I wouldn't have coped. To mm-hmm. be totally honest, I think I'd have really struggled. Again, I think it's important to acknowledge that you know I think like absolutely
0: and like, like it's important what you said as well like the guilt attached to you know all oh, my problems aren't as big as other people I didn't have as hard as other people like but it, like you said earlier on it's just all relative and relevant to you and that doesn't mean that you should poo poo your own thoughts and feelings just because somebody else might have had a hard you? I mean and it's not mm-hmm. that you're necessarily not resilient it's just that that's how you're dealing with how you feel about things yeah i think Mm -hmm. i think i just more talking about how you feel like can never be a bad thing for sure yeah yeah yeah. Um, Yeah. i don't know if you've done any any work with young people because like i just because that's my world i'm in schools quite a lot and i think um any access to kind of mental health education and just that space to talk openly i think is really important for our young people so they don't have that that taboo attached to when they um, grow up, it's like,
1: that's a normal thing. Like, that's not taboo to go and get therapy or counselling. Uh, no, totally. I think, um, so, I work for an organisation part-time as well, and I do therapy in schools.
0: <laughs> Amazing!
1: So, yes. I, I work in primary and high schools. Um, awesome. And I've been doing that since February. And okay. Started off virtually, but I'm in person now. And, yeah, like, I think it's so important. Yeah, just for that to be in place. Because again, like, you know, teachers by and large are doing their best, you know what I mean? But they're only seeing those kids for a couple of five, six hours a day, whatever. It's like, mm. who knows what will be going on at home? And that doesn't mean everything necessarily bad stuff, it just might be something the teacher can't talk to them about. Or So having a neutral person rocking up to the school once a week for a chat, and that's how I frame it to the young people. I'm like, I'm just here for a chat. Like, you know, we can talk about whatever you want. There's no pressure to talk about anything. We can sit and look at the window if you want yeah. um, or or draw or, you know, whatever. And, it's, again, it goes back to the idea it's a space hmm. for them to use and to have that bit of choice and autonomy. And I think that's really important. So I work with kids as young as primary four up to sixth year.
0: I mean, I just would not thank you for being a young person in these day and age with Absolutely. like social media and stuff. Like, it's just right. a difficult. Sp- I mean, we, you know, growing up, we had our own things that we had to deal with. But I think just we're bombarded like with so much information mm-hmm. all the time. Yeah. That as a wee person, as a young person, it's a lot to deal with. Do you know what I mean? And like not being able to the whole social media thing, like not being able to escape.
1: Yeah. Yeah, totally. and that
0: pressure to feel it, like you need to be on social media all the time and doing the TikTok dances and all the rest of it. There's <laughs> yeah. so much fun attached to it and so much creativity, Aye. and I, I totally welcome that. But I just, yeah, I think it's it's important that those uh, things are set up in schools, like mm-hmm. there is somebody you can go and talk to, so that when it does get too much, there's that person there that you just know you can go
1: yeah. and let it all out.
0: Do you know what I mean? And it doesn't become a bigger thing.
1: because obviously, like when when I was at school, it was like if things were difficult who would you talk to? And like, well, You'd probably have a teacher, you'd maybe have a teacher you kind of liked
0: mm. or thought yeah. was sound. you like a, guidance teacher, eh? yeah. I don't think I like, literally, I mean, my guidance teacher was my science teacher.
1: I, mine was my, like, a business studies teacher or something. I was totally. Like, so but I, I think it's
0: amazing that there are those teachers that are guidance teachers because I guess they do yeah. more than just, like, listen to you and talk to you. They obviously support you in other ways, but, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I think it's just there's a, like, a dedicated professional in a school. That's, and I, I think it's
1: a great thing. I, and I think one of the things that does for the, the pupils, I'd imagine, I can only imagine, is that I have no connection to the school. Like I'm there, yeah. but I'm no Mr. Tierney, the whatever. I'm Sean, the guy. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Uh, and I, sometimes young people will ask me, like, oh, did you work for the school? And I'm, again, I'm really transparent about it. I'm like, well, I'm not employed by the school, but I'm here once a week. And I just tell them. And, mm. and I think actually knowing that I've actually got nothing to do with the school can actually be quite useful. Because I'm yes. like, oh, I can talk to him because he's no the school. going to grass. Yeah, basically. <laughs> grass on yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> so, hey. And in one of the schools I work in, it's funny, they got wind off the fact that I worked outdoors, like in my private practice. And they've actually said, they were like, oh, we've got a really nice wee garden so you can like take the young people out there for our sessions. So I've not done it yet, but uh, that's, that was just quite a nice little extra thing that's kind of come out of like, my two worlds, <laughs> I guess, meeting. Uh,
0: it just seems like the jigsaw pieces are all fitting
1: together. Yeah. Yeah, that's definitely how it feels like at the moment. But I'm quite ambitious, and I don't even mean ambitious like, I suppose, in the traditional set. Well, I don't know what that means. <laughs> I'm not like trying to climb a ladder or, you know, it's that mm-hmm. idea because it's like, it's my own stuff. But I'm like, I'm an ideas pet. I've always got ideas. Like, I'm like, what am I doing next? Like, what am I getting in it? I get, like, really excited and creative. and like, like, I started a podcast, funnily enough, like, the end of July, Mm-hmm. Um, but I had planned to do it about two or three years ago. And then, was it two years ago? And then I was, I think it was when I was studying, and then actually my wife was pregnant. And I was just like, I've probably not got time to do this to new. Like, let's just, like, rein it in a bit. Why
0: didn't I do too many? Yeah.
1: <laughs> but then I bought, like, I bought all the mad podcast cat like, recording stuff, and that way back in February last year. So just before the pandemic. And then never looked at it really. Just, um, and then I, in July, I just, my son was staying at mom and dad's for the first time ever because because they live a wee bit far away in the yes. pandemic. So me and Ashley were like, oh, and I said, oh, shall we just re- shall we record my podcast? And she's like, aye. And I was like, you can be the first guest. There we go. Done. So we sat down in the living room and done it. And then I have done, I think I've done seven or eight episodes since. Again, it feels like it's just a wee project that's kind of like quite fulfilling. Mm-hmm. Um, i don't know where it'll lead i don't have any big grand plans for that i'm quite happy just sort of seeing where it goes but i think it's, it's i i think i enjoy having that like little creative outlet um that's kind of again i suppose it goes back to the idea it's me time or it's something for me so i just do it as and when i can because timetabling around work and mm-hmm. a nearly two-year-old is it's a wee bit tricky but yes. that's why all the folk have done it so far have either been Friends or neighbors, because sure that's easier. just you know. yeah.
0: that's it. And and like I'm the same as you. Like as a creative outlet, like I really I love doing it. It's like mm-hmm. such a privilege just to sit down with somebody and have a chat about whatever we've decided we're going to chat about. Mm-hmm. Is your podcast? Do you think that you're going to focus in on mental health, or is it more broad than that?
1: So it's it's called the Work Life Balance Podcast. The idea was that yeah, like a lot of people I knew struggled to have. Get this good balance between work and life, whatever that means. Um, so it's it's quite open, quite free, fluid. So like when I had my wife Ashley on it, she spoke about what she does for a while, and then I had my pal Liana, and she spoke about she's studying. So we spoke about that quite a bit. Um, had my pal Danny who lives in the corner, and he talked about how he does breath work. So it's like it's kind of it's about the place, but again, yeah. it's like. It feels like the type of conversations that I would have in the pub with somebody or something, you know, it's that, or like the coffee shop or whatever. It's that kind of just, "Who are you? What do you do? Why do you do yeah. that?" You know, that kind just ask <laughs> the is. question. I like that. Um, for me, I think it's about being intentionally creating such situations when I can have these conversations on a deeper level to connect with somebody. I was I think I'm just, I think the podcast is just a, an excuse for me to do that, really. And I'm like, that's fine.
0: I'm your pal. That's way uh, like I do. It. I don't mind small talk, mm. but I'm, I'm more <laughs> yeah. into the Aye. in-depth conversations. And I don't need to know your deepest, darkest secrets necessarily. But I just, I, I'm just um, dead fascinated by people and mm-hmm. what they're into. I think there's something to just be learned from anybody that you meet and, and get the chance to speak to. I really do. And however long that interaction is, like I think we should just all. I say this. I mean, I'm like a little like, broken record, but I think you should just like learn something every day. Yeah. And you can do that from other people around Absolutely. about you. You just ask the questions.
1: Yeah, and no, I think that's that's one of the things I've as a sort of side side effect. No, an impact of the work I do is like I I learn a lot for clients, like I do, and it's not that necessarily they're going through the, we're going through the same stuff, or but it's just you know it's like people, so you, you learn for each other, and like I love that, like that mm. I can meet somebody I don't know and spend an hour with them and. Professionally, I'm happy with how it went, but on a personal level, like, oh, it gives me like a wee nugget of something to think about or uh, a piece of reflection. I think that feels really enriching.
0: And moving forwards, do you have, like you were saying, it's not necessarily a ladder, <coughs> but there's ideas there and stuff. Like, is there anything you're willing to share that you would like to pursue in terms of your work?
1: I think um, for me, longer term, I want to continue <laughs> with my private practice working outdoors. I want to develop like sort of like immersive weekend workshops. Come and stay over some random place that we've found and actually do it. Like like show like, we'll show you how to do outdoor therapy in person and I, I, I like the idea. Again, I've no joined the dots, so I'm, I'm kinda like I'll figure it out. Like I just have already started looking. So that's one of the ideas. Um slightly different to that is the so as much as I love what I do, I don't want to be delivering therapy five days a week. So that's the funny thing. Despite what I'm saying, I so that's about my work-life balance. I don't want to be worse. Well, I would purpose. imagine
0: that's quite a lot to do.
1: Yeah, like, so do that five days a week. That's so a lot. I don't want to longer term. Like I know my limits. I feel um, working in schools has got a different pace and a different. It's a lot more boundaries by its nature. Like so, it's pace. like it's. Um, I don't feel drained or anything by it. Like I really enjoy it. I feel it's rewarding, but I know longer term I don't want to be doing both. So I want to keep my private practice and then the rest of the week, maybe two days a week or something. I don't quite know what I want to do, but I know I want to do something a wee bit um, maybe more outdoors-based but less therapeutic. Mm. Like So I was looking at forest schools. and Yes. Um, but I was also looking at like doing some sort of community stuff. I'm not quite sure. Um, but, again, it's just stuff with people probably and ideally outdoors. But, again, it's, I'm not tied to that. I mean, I've always got hundreds of ideas. So it's like.
0: Um, it's, it's all about <clears throat> like, evolving, do you know what I mean? And like, it, you know, it's great if you pick a job and you stay in it till hmm. your retirement age and you love it. Great. But cool. equally, Aye. if you've got ideas and aspirations and things pop in your head and you think, oh, I have quite fancy trying that. Yeah. Go for it. Try it.
1: Yeah. I suppose one other, other thing that me and my wife have kind of joked well, I'm not joked about it. We've talked about it on and off. So my wife is like a holistic therapist and she does like um, she does stuff that you would maybe describe as like a bit more left field and sort of so I think people are familiar with like some of the some holistic therapies like maybe things like reiki and reiki. reflexology and all. but mm. wife does a few things that are less well known so she does a, like a thing called um the emotion code and I think it's sacred activations and she explains to me how they work and I've experienced them and they work and it's cool but I find it hard to explain them to other people. Uh, mm. But one of the things that we've talked about together is eventually maybe having like some sort of retreat, so people could come and get raked at their nut, and then have some therapy and you know whatever. I don't know. Yes. But like maybe I don't know. We've both talked about this idea of working with like maybe at risk young people or something, and we don't really know. Again, it's just a nugget, an idea. And my sister in law, she is like a really experienced outdoors person so she's like kayaks bmx bikes mountain bikes Yeah, absolutely she does it all it's like super it's like, <laughs> quite incredible actually um but so we were talking a few weeks ago when she was to we were like maybe we could all do something together we don't really know what that is but we are like some sort of outdoorsy adventury healing thing yeah <laughs> but well yeah. i
0: mean lo- you know lots of young people that i work with they, they do that week away with the school mm-hmm. and it's usually like an outdoor thing
1: yeah ideas loads of them
0: <laughs> love it I will watch with bated breath. You'll make you come on the podcast in like a year or two time aye, aye. to just hear what you're up to next. Aye. Sean, I do a thing called the hangamajigs. I've not picked these in advance. Sometimes I do, but not today. I thought I'll just pick it random. We'll see yeah. where the where it goes. So can you finish this sentence? When I was wee, I...
1: Wanted to be a farmer.
0: <laughs> Did you know? I don't
1: know why, but again, it's probably just an outdoorsy thing. But I used to be like, oh, that will be cool. I didn't know what it meant. Like what? How it would work? And yes, but I think I was just oh, you just get to like kick a bit on a tractor and be outside, and that looks cool. Yes. Um, so when I was wee, I wanted to be a farmer amongst other things.
0: <laughs> totally. love that. Um, well, here's one: if you knew that you could not fail, and that's your own like definition of that, mm.
1: what what would you do? Um, right, this is going to sound like a really like non-answer, but I often don't believe I will fail. <laughs> so Great, that's good to hear. I think I, again, because I suppose it's like, how do, I do, how do you define failure? Yes. So again, maybe if, I, if this was shown seven or eight years ago, I'd, I'd be thinking that differently. But now I am a doer of things, and uh, if it doesn't work out, I'm like, lesson learned. How do I do it differently? But I suppose uh, to give you some sort of answer, what would I do? I'd uh, I'd make music, like I'd sing or something. I don't know that I can, but I'd, like, I'd be like, oh, I'd do something with that. Get in amongst it and try and do something with
0: that. I love, though, that you said that you don't often think that you will feel. I love that. I mean, how like how do you do that, Sean? Tell me tell me the secret. <laughs> um, so I think the
1: short answer is genuinely, and it maybe sounds a bit contrived or something, but it's like, I really like myself, and I never used to. Like, do you know what I mean? I know that's a bit like, but I never used to have a very good opinion of myself, And I do now. So I think there's a resilience to that. But there's like a, if I try something that doesn't work, my sort of worth as a person isn't tied up in it. So I'm like, be cool if it worked, but I'll also be okay if it doesn't work because I know I'm a decent person. I know I'm a good person. And that's kind of enough. So yeah.
0: That's definitely touched the nerve. That's lovely. That's really nice to hear that you like yourself. So you should. I like you too. Thanks. You could
1: only hear one song from now on. What song would you choose? Oh, Jeez. Um <laughs> wee bit of context. I make a Spotify playlist about once a week. So I'm a bit... Uh, right. I sometimes make a playlist for driving to my mum and dad. So I like make a new playlist. So, aye. Yeah. Uh, music's really important to me. Which, you know. Um, one song... Gosh. Well, right now it would be... There's a film on... Is it Netflix or Amazon Prime called Coda, mm-hmm. and it's which stands for Children of Deaf Adults, and it's about a young woman who whose parents are deaf, and she is kind of like a stage of life where she's finishing school and she's got the opportunity to go to uni and all that, and it's about that. Anyway, she sings both sides now by, oh, I'm getting this wrong. Who is it Janice Janis Joplin? No, no, it's a. Oh, it's thingy. It's
0: Johnny Mitchell.
1: Hi, ah, Johnny Mitchell. She sings both sides now in that, and uh, uh. that's been stuck in my head for about a week. So. That would be today. Today's that's probably. If it was at other times, I really like "I Can't Make You Love Me," but the Bon Iver version. I don't know if you've heard
0: oh, right, okay, right. It's haven't really heard that version. I know the song, obviously.
1: Really, don't know. Like it's one of those songs that just gets to me. Like I really get, oh, like I get quite um, moved by it. Mm. So yeah,
0: as, as they're both fantastic songs. Um, yeah. I I applaud your choices. Yeah. <laughs> Can you handle two more? Best advice ever given to you.
1: So, probably the one that really stands out is my dad, who's quite a quiet man. Doesn't really say that much. Like he's always kind of quietly, quietly supportive, kind of in the background, but doesn't he say a lot? And it, even if I told him this, he'd forget he'd said it because I've said to him before, well, "Mind that." He was like, "No idea." But when I was on holiday in France, I was talking about it at the start when I was kept getting phoned off my work, and oh, did not I want to go back to that job? And my dad said. Is it no better to be at the bottom of a ladder you want to climb than halfway up one that you don't? So true. And I was like, what? <laughs> like, who <where laughs> did that come through? And I was like, thanks, I, Dad, I'll have that. But I remember being like, oh, that's, that, that is, yes, that makes a lot of sense because I do not want to be climbing this ladder, whatever it is, and I want to maybe find the thing that I want to do. So I just remember it feeling really significant. But I remember telling my dad, I remember that thing you said? He was like, what? No, not a clue. So. But it felt like a really good piece of, sort of advice at the time. Like, I yeah, remember being like, that's cool. really, yeah. And that sticks in, sticks in my head, that one. I love that. Yeah.
0: I love that. And um, the question that I do ask everyone at the end of the podcast, because mm-hmm. it's called The "Brawn and the Brave, is what is your favourite Scots word or phrase?
1: Uh, hmm. Quite like sleek it, just because I think it's a funny word. Quisht. "quished" is a good one. Probably the word that, I, aye. So this is a, probably because a family connection thing as well, and I don't know if it's a hoik word or a Scottish word. But my granddad <clears throat> used to always talk about his simit, like his vest. Yeah. So when I hear that, I just think of my going It kind of makes me smile or laugh. So that's <laughs> probably um, the that I, simmet. I just think it's funny, and aye, it's just one. it's really like. Um, there's a aye, like a strong reaction when I hear that works mm. like, oh, and that's funny <laughs> so yeah but that could change like a lot of my choices that can change day to day
0: that's all right it's just what you would pick the day <laughs> aye. yeah, aye. Sean this has been just so lovely to chat to you thank you so much for thank you for taking the time to to chat to me and tell me all about your amazing work and um I hope you've had an opportunity to see everything you wanted to, but I'll certainly put all your details in the show notes. So if anybody wants to ask any other questions that I didn't ask, they can get in touch and read more about what you do on your website and stuff and um, check out your podcast, of course, as well.
1: All right, thanks. Thanks so much. It's been great fun.
0: I hope you enjoyed today's episode of The Brawn and the Brave, a podcast about people and their passions. Join us next time for more insight and inspiration from my wonderful guests. Bye for now.